Okay, we're doing now Sunday's portion of Pekude. So we're in chapter 38 to verse 21. And in Pekude, we enumerate all of the items, all of the amounts, all the quantities, everything that was done. Because again, in the previous portion, in Vayakel, it was given over to them what God had said to Moshe was now given over to them, and they did it. So now, it's the accounting. These are the accountings of the Mishkan, the Mishkan testimony, which were counted at the word of Moshe, the work of the Levites, in the hands of Isamar, the son of Aaron the Kayin. These are the accountings. So now we are going to give all the weights of all the contributions the gold, the silver, the copper, everything that was done for the service. Now, in this verse, we have the word Mishkan, which means tabernacle, twice. Mishkan means a tabernacle. Mishkan actually has the same root word as mashkon, if you just have different vowels, which means collateral. So, Rashi says, the reason it says twice is to allude to the temple, which was taken as collateral twice in the two destructions of the temple. I'm sorry, for the sins of the Jewish people. So it says the Mishkan, the tabernacle of testimony. Jerash so is saying this is testimony is a testimony for the Jewish people that God overlooked the golden calf. How do we see this as testimony that God overlooked the golden calf? Because he put his shekhinah, his divine presence, among them in the tabernacle. So the fact that God is willing to rest among them is showing that he forgave them. So it says here this is the work of Levites. So why are we calling here the work of the Levites? What do we mean by this? So Rashi explains, we're talking here of an accounting of the tabernacle and the implements, which was an assignment given over to the Levites in the desert. That they had to carry it, they had to take it down, they had to erect it. In the hand of Isamar, the son of Aharon, because Isamar was in charge of them, to give each family the work that they had to do. The Salo, the son of Uri, the son of Hor, to the tribe of Yehuda, did all that God commanded Moshe. Now it's interesting because it says, not that he did all he was commanded, but all that God commanded Moshe. So that implies that even things that Moshe didn't tell him that Salah was in sync with what he was told. In other words, if it had said that Salah did all that he was commanded, it would mean all that Moshe commanded him. But since it said all that God commanded Moshe, it means even words that Moshe didn't give over to the Salah, the Salah got it. 
So what example specifically are we talking about here? So the specific thing that we're discussing is that Maisha told Betzalel to first make all the implements of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle, and then make the tabernacle itself, the construction of the, of the house for all these implements. And Betzalel said, well, now we do. First you have to make the house, and then you can put the furnishings in it. And Maisha said, you're right. This is how God, what God said to me for you to do. So he said his name, his name is Betzalel, and he broke it down to two words, Betzel, Kel. You were, which means like God's shadow. So you were in God's shadow because you intuited what God commanded me. And that's what it's all did. First he made the tabernacle, and then he made all the vessels that would go in the tabernacle. So of course, the obvious question here in this Rashi is, if Moshe is telling Mitzalah, wow, it's great, it's amazing, you're doing what God told me to do, not what I'm telling you to do, <laughs> what's going on here? Why would Moshe have been told by God First, make the tabernacle and then the vessels, and he say something different to Betzalel, for Betzalel to need to, so to speak, correct. So the Gari explains that it's not that Moshe was trying to deviate from God's command. Of course, Moshe knew that first you make the tabernacle and then you make the vessels. But when God gave this over to Betzalel, he was focusing first on what's more significant. And the vessels are much more significant than the structure of the tabernacle as we see because the Levite family that carried the vessels was the most significant family which was the main line of Levi because that's the line of actually of Moshe and Aaron's family and the carrying of the tabernacle itself was carried by a lesser Levite family Merari so that shows us that the vessels were much more important than the tabernacle so on the, if you will, theoretical level, we're focusing on what to focus on, we focus on the, the vessels. But on the practical level, of course, God said to Moshe, and Moshe understood, and Moshe knew that's what Bethalel should do, and Bethalel said that's what he was going to do, which, of course, Moshe is saying is the correct thing, practically speaking, to first make the tabernacle. But in the, so to speak, theoretical, spiritual plane, Moshe first focused on making the vessels, because they're truly, ultimately, of course, much more important. Not that much in any way was wanting or wanted with Saul to deviate from God's will. And with him was Ahaliah, the son of Achisamach, to the tribe of Dun, carver, an artist, an embroiderer with a turquoise wool and a purple wool and a scarlet wool and the linen. All the gold that was used for the work, for all the labor in the sanctuary, the offering of gold was 29 kikar and 730 shekel in the shekel used in the sanctuary. So Raj explains that, how do we get this kikar? What's a kikar? So a kikar, basically, is 3,000 shekel. And we get that because a kikar is 60, a certain type of coin called a mana. But when you use this for, the, for sanctity, meaning for anything to do with the temple, the tabernacle, the, it was a much more valuable coin. So it was actually a double money. It was double the standard money. So the standard money is 60. In the temple, a kikar was 120 money. 
Now, a mana, each mana is 25 shekels. So if a mana is 25 shekels, and a kikar is 120 mana, so how many shkolim was in the kikar? Well, you have to take 120 and multiply it by 25, and then you get 3,000. So therefore, the kikar measurement for use in the temple was 3,000 shekel, meaning a kikar, if you were just using it in the marketplace, would have been 1,500 shekel. But in the temple, a kikar was 3,000 shekel. And therefore, when we're making the counting here, any time we have a, so to speak, change, shkolem less than 3,000, we're going to list the shkolem because once we hit 3,000, it becomes absorbed into the next kikar. Like we see here, the gold was 29 kikar and, so to speak, the change, 730 shekel. The silver of the accountings of the assembly, 100 kikar, 1,775 shekel, in the shekel of the sanctuary. Again, so 100 kikar, 100 times 3,000 shekel, and the extra change less than 3,000 here for the silver is 1,775 shekel. A beka for every head, a half shekel in the shekel of the sanctuary for everyone who passed counters from 20 years of age and up for the 600, 3,550. So a bekah means the weight of a half shekel because every single Jewish man between the ages of 20 and up, from 20 and up, had to give this for the counting. So that's why it says for the 603,550 because that was the number of Jewish males that were over age 20 at this point in this census. And all of the, each one of them contributed a half shekel that was given as a contribution towards the tabernacle. Now, if you count it, if you count all these half shekels of 600,000, you have 100 kikar. Because 600,000 half shekels are 300,000 whole shekels. So if you know that a kikar is 3,000 shkolem, that means there were 100 kikar here. And then we have beyond that 3,550 half shkolem, meaning another 1,775 shkolem, because that was, again, so to speak, the change past the kikar values. The 100 kikar of silver from this half shekel-like head tax, so to speak, from the census, were to pour the sockets of sanctity and the sockets of the parechas. Parechas, again, was the tapestry separating the holy from the holy of holies. 100 sockets for 100 kikar, one kikar per socket. So every socket was one kikar, 3,000 shekels worth of silver. So one, of course, uh, way the Jews contributed to the temple was from their free will offering, as we learned in last Torah portion last week, that they all came racing, the women and the men after them, racing, racing, racing to donate whatever they had, their gold, their silver, everything. And there you give whatever you want. And of course they all wanted to give. But then additionally there was this census head tax, so to speak, which created this silver that was used very specifically for these sockets, and there's lots of spiritual reason with the whole concept of the sockets and the foundation of the tabernacle, of the temple, 
the bottom, the self-nullification on which everything rests. So Rashi explains these sockets were the sockets of the beams of the tabernacle. And there were 48 beams, which therefore means, because every beam had two sockets, there were 96 sockets, as we, we learned last week and had learned previously, that every beam is standing in these two sockets. So that's 48 beams times two, 96 sockets. And there, the process itself had six sockets. It was beyond the beams. That was that curtain. Again, they're in the Holy for the Holy of Holies. 96 and 4 is 100. So therefore, we have these 100 silver sockets. All the other sockets in the tabernacle besides these, meaning the ones for the pillars around the courtyard, for the pillars of the curtain at the edges of the tabernacle, all those were copper. But these 100 sockets were the silver coming from this census tax of a half shekel of silver per person. So again, that's 100 kikar. Each socket is one kikar, and now we understand how there were 100 sockets. And from the 1,775, meaning this was the change past the kikar, he made hooks for the pillars and covered their tops and belted them. So this, he's covering the tops of the pillars from these 1,775 shekels that, again, were past the 100 kikar. The offer of copper was 70 kikar and 2,400 shekel. With it, he made the sockets of the entrance to the tents of the meeting, the copper altar, the copper lattice work that was on it, and all the implements of the altar. The sockets of the courtyard all around, the sockets of the gate of the courtyard, all the pegs of the tabernacle, and all the pegs of the courtyard all around. From the turquoise wool and the purple wool and the scarlet wool, they made mesh garments to serve in the sanctuary, and they made the garments of sanctity for Aaron, as God commanded Moshe. Now here, if we look in the verse, it's a turquoise wool, purple wool, scarlet wool, and it doesn't say linen. Always that we have those three plus linen, from which Rashi tells us, and of course, we've had this concept already twice before. This is the third time we're learning it. When it says garments and it doesn't mention linen, it does not mean the priestly garment because they had linen. So these garments are the garments they cover the holy vessels in during the time of traveling. Because those garments, which weren't clothing items, but were more like, if we will, uh, uh, drop cloth, those did not have linen. 